Welcome to uh, tonight's Kabbalah class. We are learning a Kabbalah class based on a Hasidic discourse that the Rebbe recited 32 years ago on uh, this week is Parshas Mishpatim, so it was also Parshas Mishpatim. It was actually Saturday night, and the Rebbe actually said it from his room. And later on, um, it was edited a week later on the seventh day of Adar in the year Tavshon Lamaches, again 32 years ago. So there's a lot of obviously ideas in this, so this, this course, but I think one of the most revolutionary ideas of this discourse is that people are essentially good powerful because it's a big debate are people good or people bad so the Rebbe shows you in here how beautifully that people are essentially good that's point number one huge point and the second point is that let's say somebody sinned someone did something wrong oh my gosh they're not good anymore so what happens is after you sinned and you repent sincerely it's as if you never sinned before so two powerful points, and again, there's many others as well, but I think two major points is that one is, again, people are essentially good, and B, that after, God forbid, you sinned, and you do real tshuva, it's as if you never sinned. Powerful stuff. Okay, so we're going to go through the flow of the Hasidic discourse. So again, it's on Pashas Mishpatim, so the Rebbe begins uh, the uh, Hasidic discourse, and he asks a very simple question. The verse says, the Mishpatim These are the Mishpatim that you should put Lifnehem. Now Lifnehem means not Lifanecha in front of you, Lifnehem. Plural. That means that Moshe was instructed to put all the laws in front of everybody, plural. So the question, every asked a simple question is, then why does it say the first halachat? What the first law right afterwards, it says, Ki sikna, when you will acquire. If it's lifnehem, so to say kisiknu, that you're plurally. So if you're going with singular is kisikne, then it should say lifanecha. If we're going with plural, lifnehem, in front of you plural, then why does it say what? Kisikne uh, in the singular form. That's question number one. The other question to be asked is, so right after it says the Eil HaMishpatim, these are the laws. So there's going to be a lot of laws, and we know there's a lot of laws in the Torah, right? So, but what does it say right afterwards? What's the first law? Because it's important. Opening statement, very important. What's the first law? About Kisikna Ebed Ivri, about acquiring a Hebrew slave. Why specifically that? Out of all the 613 commandments, 248 positive, 365 negative, all the commandments. Why specifically that specific law about acquiring a, 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 a servant? Okay, so the Rebbe explains, based on Chesidut, that when we say the Eilah HaMashpatim, so there's laws, but also Eilah HaMashpatim is the general idea of learning Torah. How do you know the Halachot? You have to learn Torah. So the Eilah HaMashpatim is referring to the general idea of, re, of, of learning Torah. So again, there's the, there's the specific Halachot we have to do, but then the Eilah HaMashpatim, we got to learn Torah. Now, so if it's about the Eilah HaMashpatim, we have to learn Torah, so now it makes sense why it says, Asher Tosim, there's a singular person putting it, because who's the one that teaches everyone Torah? Who's the teacher of Torah? Moshe Rabbeinu. So Asher Tosim singular is referring to, to Moshe Rabbeinu. And Lefneim is referring to what? Um, plural, all of us. So that's in general about learning Torah. But then there we goes further. Since it's telling us how you should learn Torah, so now, the way it works Torah is, Asher Tosim Lefneim. There's a teacher teaching a student, or a parent teaching a child. So now how do you teach? How do you teach? 
There's many, we all know there's many modern methods of teaching. But Kabbalah and the Rebbe teaches us, very simple. Lefneya means it has to be placed before them. Not thrown to them, not just all over the place. That's not lefneim. Lefneim means it has to be put down in a way they can comprehend it. So if someone, a child or a student says, I don't understand, you can't say, eh, what's wrong with you? No. Torah says it's the obligation of the teacher and the parent, lefneim, to put it in a way that the child could comprehend it in a very, very practical way. But not only that, the author actually says in, in Halakha, in Jewish law, and the author is quoted the Jewish law, the author says that lefneya means it has to be brought into their pneumiot. What does that mean, pneumiot? Not, uh, they got it externally. No, 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 they have to get it. This living says, okay, I hear you. No, I get it. Wow. The pneumiot, they have to internalize what you're teaching them. And how do you know when it's internalized? When it's in their heart. When they're passionate and they're excited about what they learned, then you're a good teacher. Then you're a good parent that have educated. So Lefneim is teaching us for Elash Amishbatim. When you learn and you teach Torah, it has to be Lefneim. They have to be able to get it. As the Alter says, but premius internally and in a way that what? It affects their heart in a meaningful way. Now, so the Rebbe says, so the Mishpatim, now why is it so important? Because we know in mitzvot, there's two types of mitzvot. There's something which is called mitzvot, they're commandments from God, they have to happen. It's not important who does it. That commandments have to happen. But then there's something which is called a mitzvah shebegufay. A mitzvah that you, that's on the body. That means your body has to do it. For example, there are certain mitzvot. You can hire a shliach to do it. You can hire someone to do it. Why? Because the main thing, it should happen. But let's say, for example, putting on tefillin. Could you hire someone to put on tefillin for you? No. You have to put on a tefillin. And many mitzvot. So learning Torah, the Rebbe says, is a mitzvah shebegufay. You have to learn Torah. Everyone is obligated to learn Torah. In other words, who's obligated to learn Torah? The teacher, the student, the parent, and the child. Why? Because the verse says clearly, Vishinantam Livanecha. So it's a double commandment. Everyone looks at you have an obligation to eat your child. So who so there's a double obligation. One is that the obligation Vishinantam that you have to learn, you have to teach, Livanecha to your children. Now, if you don't know anything about Torah, how are you gonna teach it to them? So obviously you have to learn. So Vishinantam is telling you, learn, so you can teach. That's the obligation on the teacher and the parent to learn. And Levanech is to educate them that they have to learn. Now, there he points out, this is why this, the Elam Mishpatim, referring to Torah study, comes right after last week's Torah portion of Matan Torah in Yisrael. Why? Because what's the main thing of receiving the Torah? We should take it and put it on the shelf. The main thing of receiving the Torah is we take the Torah, we learn it, and we teach it. And not only to learn to teach the Torah, but most importantly, it teaches us a way to serve Hashem. So when it comes to learning Torah, it's a learning. It's a bit of to learn. The teacher, the student, the parent, the child. And that's the Elash, but more importantly, you have to learn how to serve Hashem. Because learning creates a relationship with Hashem. So it's a mitzvah about the relationship. That we have to have a relationship with Hashem. And how do we have a relationship? By serving Hashem. Now, so that's the general introduction of Parashas Mashpatim. About learning Torah and about serving Hashem. Now, but now the Torah goes further. And the Torah is going to show us a step-by-step way 
to serving Hashem. And as it said, there's a, the Rebbe quotes a, a verse in this week's Torah portion where it says, Ma'at, Ma'at, Agrashenu, which means step by step, one step at a time. You serve Hashem here, you serve a little more there. You want to build up on what? Serving Hashem. And the Torah says, the first step is, Kisikne Evedivri. You should acquire for yourself an Evedivri. Again, there's the physical, when you acquire a physical slave, we all know the Torah, there's four ways to look at the Torah. Pshat, simple, remez, drush, and soy, the secrets of the Torah. So what is the spiritual dimension? Welcome, come, have a seat. What is the spiritual dimension of Kisik Nevedivri? So Rabbi explains like this. When it comes to Kisik Nevedivri, so there's two types of Hebrew slaves that you can have. There's one type of Hebrew slave is, the person's a Hebrew slave. You hire someone never you know, needed money or someone got in trouble and he had to sell some of the slaves. So you hired a Hebrew slave. That's one type of Hebrew slave. Then there's another type of Hebrew slave, which means the slave is actually not Jewish. But you hired him from a from a from a other another Jew that had hired the slave. In other words, there's a different dynamic when you hire a non-Jewish slave just from a regular non-Jew. We're not talking about that. We're talking about two types of Hebrew slaves. And again, what's going to be important for us is to see the way it plays out spiritually in our lives. It's not about someone else. It's talking about our animal soul within us, which we're going to get to soon. So again, there's two types of servants. There's the Evid Ivri, which is 100% you hired a Jewish slave. And the other one is actually a non-Jew, but you hired it from another Jewish person. Now, how do we know that... Um, that that it's two types of slaves? Because Rashi even says, because you might think that the Torah is talking about an Evid Knani that you bought from a, a, from a Jew. So different Torah says, exactly. in this case, it's specifically talking about an Evid Ivory that you got strictly from a straight, a straight deal as, as, as a, uh, a Jewish slave. But there is such a Havamina, I mean, uh, there is a, a thought that maybe it's that. So you see there's two different types. And there's a third level, which is basically, the, the level is a Alma Ivriya, which is basically a, a female Hebrew slave. So in other words, like this. So we see clearly that there's three types of ways of serving Hashem. One is as an Evid Knani, which is bought from an Evid Ivri. The second one is an Evid Ivri. And the third one is an Amar Ivriya. Now, so the question is, what, what, like, hello, what does it have to do with me serving Hashem? Hiring slaves. And it's true, it's really intriguing. And unless you really learn Chassidah, it's very hard to comprehend it. So the Tzemach Tzedek, which we know was the grandchild of the Alter Rebbe, who was very close to him, and he commented on a lot of his uh, Hasidic teachings. So the, the Tzamat Tzedek says like this, that the Alter Rebbe explains that, again, Evid Knani, which you bought from a Evid Ivri, an Evid Ivri, and the Alma Ivriya is referring to spiritually the Tzadik, the Benini, and the Rasha, the way a Tzadik and Benini Rasha is explained in Tanya, which is another whole, we learn Tanya. So you know, it's, it's not talking about the regular type of Tzadik way, it's talking about the Talmud. We're talking about a Tzadik, someone that totally only sees and is connected to God. Again, a Benini, it's in short, a Benini is someone that in reality, Machshava Dibra Maisa, thought speech, never sinned, but he has that urge to. And then you have a Rasha, and there's different, two different levels of a Rasha. So the author says that this Evakanani, and this Evadivri, and this Emma is referring to the three levels like explained in Tanya. Now, what does that mean practically? So the Rebbe explains like this, that we all know we all have an Ashama. We have an Ashama. Now there's five levels to the Ashama. Nefesh being the lowest, Ruach being one up, 
Neshama, Chai Yechida. We're not going to talk about Chai Yechida right now. We're going to talk about the three levels of the Neshama, which is the three levels of the Nefesh. And these three, Evik Nani, which is bought from an Evid Ivri, or from an Ivri, Evid Ivri, and an Omei Ivriya is the three levels of Nefesh, Ruach, and Neshama. And that is the Avodah. So what does that mean? So the Rebbe brings a piece from the Zohar, and the Zohar says like this, a very powerful piece in the Zohar. The Zohar says as follows, that when we are born, we are given a nefesh. What does that mean? Obviously, we have the whole neshama, the whole package of nefesh, ruch, neshama, chai, yichida. When, but, but the active part, when you're born, and a kid cries, I want to eat, I want to drink, and I want to sleep, and whatever. I want to take me out to the, uh, to the swings, take me to the park, take me to the beach if you live in Florida. Whatever, whatever the kid is crying, when we're born, the one that's active within us is the nefesh. That's, what, that's, what, that's, what, that's what's active. So therefore, since what we're born, what's active is our nefesh, so what's our avoider? Our avoider is to work on our nefesh. That we shouldn't, we shouldn't necessarily uh, get everything we want, to transform ourselves, to refine ourselves, but when we're born, we're given a nefesh, and our avoider, our work is with our nefesh. That is the first level. If we merit, the Zohar says, then our ruach, starts blossoming and then when your ruach starts blossoming so not only are you working and are you living with your nefesh as a survivor nefesh is survival but you actually have ruach in there you have already some spirit you have some excitement you have some feelings great feelings and that's our avoda now the zohar continues this is so, so far from the zohar if we married even more and we're like really getting the spirit into the spirit. It means our ruach from our nefesh ruach and shama is starting to get ignited. Then we're given as then we're given as a gift. The neshama starts blossoming, and then our avoda is to work with our neshama. And we know the neshama is referring to intellect. Where we think things through. We have the ability to meditate, connect to God through intellect. And that's when you say something. You say someone's almost a good neshama. Someone that's a survivor and just you know looking to get through the day is not called a good neshama. He's called a nefesh. He's surviving. But the goal in life is what to, to climb the ladder. Now, obviously, this idea that when we're born we have the nefesh, and later on we develop the ruach and the shama is a very very important part of mysticism, and it's a very very important part of spiritual growth. Now. In Kuntras Havoida, there's a, there's, a there's a book, not so big, it's actually translated in English, maybe in other languages as well, but I know for sure in Hebrew and English it is, and they, it's from the Rebbe Rashab, and he goes into tremendous length about the different levels of Nefesh Ruch Hashama, how we access it, how we develop it, and how we keep it on fire, so again, like you, another class, another book to learn, added to the, listen, mysticism is infinite, you, know, you touch on something, it's like a detour, but it could be a detour for a couple of years if we take on every book that we take on, but keep it on the list of things to do, and we're done with the next project, we'll maybe take that on, so anyway, so the, but if you want on your own, it's a great, a great book, and a great reading, and a great, not, it's called Kuntras Ha'avoida, the Kuntras, which is a, a pamphlet, but it's more than a pamphlet, it's a book, of Ha'avoida, of spiritual work, and every day he discusses that idea at great length, Where okay, get it? Just Today online, Kahas, Chabad.org. It might even be published on one of the websites. It might even be published. You have to look. Okay. Um, now, let's get back to our point. Our point. So again, so we see that the, the, the Rebbe says that this avoida of Evid Kanani, Evid Ivri, Amavriya, is connected to uh, uh, Tzadik, 
Bainini in the Russia, which is also connected within it, within each, each of us on a practical level with our Nefesh Ruach Neshama. So the, the, so the, 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 the Tzamech Tzedek goes into a whole discussion and he says very simple. One second. So this Eva Kanani, what are we talking about? Are we talking about a Russia V'toivloi? It means a Russia, he sins a little bit, but Toivloi, life is pretty good for him. Right? Mean to say is that he's leaning towards the better side. Again, we're not going to get into the whole description of Tanya defines it. Or is it a Bainani? And it's a big difference. Russia, between Rosh Hashanah and Bainani, it's a world of a difference. Because Rosh Hashanah means he actually sinned. Bainani is someone who never sinned. Not in thought, which is heavy. Not in speech, not in action. But he has, a, every once in a while, an urge. And he's able to control himself. So the question is, this avoid that we say, acquire, get a hold of you, have a Kanani part, is it referring to a rush of a Tevloi or a Bainani? So the Tzamech Tzedek concludes and he says, and you're going to like this, they're both correct. You like that? <laughs> they're both correct. In other words, an Evet Kanani is both a rush of a Tevloi and a Bainani. And now it's not a compound answer, because obviously there's certain components that he has, like a rush of a Tevloi, and he has a rush of a Bainani. Now, here's the reality. The fact that we say Evid Kanani is like a rush of a toivloi, it's understood. Because what's an Evid Kanani? An Evid means he wants to do what he wants to do. That's a Russia. He does what he wants to do. But the question that the Rebbe asked over here is very simple. An Evid means he's a slave. What means a slave? The, the expression is A slave wants to do whatever they want to do. So if he does want to do whatever he do, mean to say is he's going to do whatever he wants. The only reason he won't do what he wants to do is for one, one or two reasons. One is if there's someone stopping him, a bigger person, or out of a, he's fear, afraid, uh, afraid of being punished. So if you're an Ebed Kanani, mean to say is you really, I would do whatever I want. And you do do whatever you want. The only reason you're not doing literally everything you want is because you're afraid. That's not a Bainani. That's not a Bainani. So how do we call a Ebed Kanani a Bainani? And that makes this question even stronger. Because the fact is, we all know, a Bainani is a very high level. And matter of fact, when we're born, there's an oath that's given. You should be a Tzaddik. And you shouldn't be a Russia. What do you mean you shouldn't be a Russia? What should you be? So obviously the oath is, there's two oaths. One is be a Tzaddik. So you take an oath when you, before you're born, I'm going to be a Tzaddik. And the second oath is, don't be a Russia. So what should I be? Obviously it's not being a Tzaddik, because you already made that oath. So the second oath is, be a Bainani. It's coming from the back door, but it's telling you, be a Bainani. A Bainani is a high level. And we know a Bainani never sinned and never will sin. And everyone knows the Hasidic expression, <coughs> after you learn Tanya and you see the way they describe what a Tzaddik is and what a Bainani is, what a Russia is, so everyone knows the Hasidic expression is that what? Oh my gosh, if I could only be a Bainani, I'd be happy. Tzaddik, forget about I mean, to totally just see and feel God and not have any connection with the world? Whoa. Let me at least be a Bainani. Halavai, let me, the expression is, Halavai, let me be a Bainani. So if we're saying that a Bainani is such a high level, which it is, so how come we're saying an Evaknani, someone that just does whatever they want, and all you should not do is out of fear, you're going to call them a Bainani? Like, what, where does that come from? So here comes the big Chiddush, and the Rebbe says like this. The reality is, and you can underline this, because this is the major point. Everybody and anyone could be a Maidani. Even though he's an Evid Knani, 
and Eved Knani Avda He wants to do whatever he wants, but the Rebbe says everybody could be a Benani. Everyone could be a Benani. And the Rebbe says very simple. The Altebra writes on the cover page of Tanya that the whole book of Tanya, which thank God Gorkshan we learned today in our Chabad house, which is a big blessing for our Chabad, born in a huge light, right? A huge spiritual light in the Chabad house. So the Altebra writes in, in the beginning of the Tanya that the whole Tanya, the whole Tanya is based on the verse in the Torah. What verse in the Torah? Kikaroiv Eilecha Hadavar Mioid which means it's easy it's easy for you to do this in your speech in your thought and your action referring to what? Abenini. to be a tzaddik that's woe that's a whole high level obviously we don't want to be Russia but to be a Benini where we're able to resist the ficha whatever we can we, even though we want to say it we can stop we want to think that we can stop the thought. And actually we can stop. Everyone can do it. And the author goes on to say, in Tanya, the midas habainini, the mid of the bainini, he midas kal adam. It means every person can be a bainini. Not only that, the author uses the word kal adam. What does adam mean? On one hand it means every human being. But Adam also means from Adama. It's compared. Compared to what? Adama Elyoin. That means every person could be a Bainini. Everyone could be compared to Hashem. And the author goes further and he says, kol Adam Yubshach, which basically everyone could be drawn to the void of a Bainini. And now the author says like this, kol Adam Yubshach, everyone could be a Bainini, is a command. Everyone could be a Bainini. Command, you could be a Bainini. And it's also a promise that you can be a Bainini. So here again, the Rebbe is laying out the groundwork that everybody, even someone that just does what they want, and only thing that's stopping them is fear of punishment, they could become a Bainini. They can become a Bainini, and that means they can listen to us, they will, they will practice and restraint, and will do and will say and think only good and great things. So here comes the question, how so? How could they? We know that an Eved does what he wants. And the only thing that's stopping him is fear. So they act, behef keiro. And the Rebbe says a beautiful chiddush, and he says like this. This that a person acts as, as an Eved, and he does whatever he wants, it's only bechitzonius. It's only externally. It's his external self. It's his external self. Because we have two parts to us. Many. But for right, this conversation, we're going to talk about two. Right? Two parts. We have our chitzonius. Yeah. Somebody said they want to do whatever they want. External self. It's not the real you. Not the real you. Whatever. You were... Whatever. You were daydreaming. It's the, the external self. But the Rebbe says, the Rebbe says, however, our internal self. What's our internal self? We have a chelik elikam imal mamish. Our internal self means it's a part of Hashem Himself, and since it's a part of Hashem, part of Hashem doesn't go against Hashem. And the rubber brings famous 
line from the from the from the Rambam. The Rambam make rules that if a person performs a mitzvah and he didn't want to do it, but he does it anyway, or someone pushed him to do it, the answer is it's a hundred percent a valid mitzvah and it's a true mitzvah. Why? Cause the Rebbe explains because it's rotzayin amiti. His true rotzayin, his true will is to do the mitzvah. The fact that he was having a hard time and saying, "I don't know if I want," right? He really wants to do it. A lot of times you go to someone and say, "Listen, you put on film today? No. You want to put on film? No." I say, "Okay, fine. Put it on anyway." They all they roll the sleeve and put it on. I said, "What? You just said no, and then like I said, put it on and all of a sudden putting it on." I was like, "What is that all about?" And the answer is very simple. This is the answer. Bechitzoyinius, they said no. Bepremius, who doesn't want to put on tefillin? Bepremius, who doesn't want to do a mitzvah? Everybody wants to do a mitzvah. Not only that, since bepremius you want to do it, which is real, that will flow to beficha, your mouth, belvavcha, your heart, lasleisa, in action, bemachshava, your thoughts, your deeper in your maisa. And you will fulfill the promise that you made before you were born. You remember you made that promise? You're going to be a tzaddik. You're not going to be a rosh, which means you're going to be a baini. You fulfill that promise. Because the reality is that's a natural flow of the neshama to be a baini. You, you made an oath. You were empowered to be a baini. And because we were empowered, this will pull us out of any negative situation because the negative is not really real. Up to the point, if God forbid someone sinned, they'll repent. Why would they repent? Why aren't they going to be stubborn? Because again, the premius wants to be connected to Hashem. It's the external part. But the premius wants to be connected to Hashem. And here Dervis says the next major chiddush that we mentioned in the beginning of the, of the, of the uh, class. That once a person repents, it's as if he never ever sinned. And you can say the expression of loy ovar avevra miyamov. The person never did a sin in his life. So think about it. Say a person never sinned. Sunday morning they sin. And then Monday they do tshuva. Whatever it takes. The tshuva, if it's real, sincere, Sunday was not a sin. Big chiddush. Big revolutionary idea. When you sin, afterwards you do sincere tshuva, it's as if you never sinned. And the Rebbe says, every one of us will repent. And every quotes in the Prophet Samuel. What does the Prophet Samuel say? Nobody, nobody is going to be left behind. Nobody will not return to Hashem. Everybody will ultimately return to Hashem. And everyone will do tshuva. And not only that, when a person does tshuva, you actually reach a higher place than a tzaddik. Someone that does, not only do they never sin, but they're going to reach a higher place than a tzaddik. Why? Because the Pneumius comes out. And that's what the author writes in Tanya. It's easy for you to do it. Referring to not your Chitzonius, your Pneumius, which is basically a Benini. Now, so therefore, now it makes sense when we say someone that's Avda someone that's a servant, will do whatever he wants. The only thing that's stopping him is fear. He can, those, he can still be a Benini. Why? Because he'll return strong as a Baini because the Pneumius is inside 
His inside really wants to be close to Hashem. And as, as, the, as the Rebbe quoted from the prophet Samuel, no one is going to be hold back from returning to Hashem. Everyone will return to Hashem. So since everyone will return to Hashem, so therefore does it make, so it makes sense why the Tzemach Tzedek says that a Evet Kanani could be the Avoida Sai of a Rosh of a Toivloi, but also as well as a Bainani. Now, now the Rebbe is going to go a step further. And he says like this. And it's really, really a powerful idea. The Rebbe says like this. What was the first Avoida of an Evet Kanani? Evet Kanani, but that He wants to do whatever he wants. And we said that can Mamash be in the level of a Bainani. Why? Because maybe it looks like after FK or Nikhle, but Pneumius, he is 100% a Bainani. Because his Pneumius wants to be. And Lo Men Nidach. So there was something like this. Ebed Knani is again, what's the description? We're not talking a 100% Ebed Knani. We're talking about specifically the case of an Ebed Knani, a non Jewish slave that was born from a Jew. Now think about this. Brilliant, brilliant. <coughs> He was bought from a Jew. What does that mean? The Rebbe says very simple. Think about this for a moment. Think about the image. Before Anishamot came down to this world, where was it? In heaven. It was one with Hashem. Anishamot was one with Hashem. When it was one with Hashem, it was pure. It came down to this world. What happened? All of a sudden, <laughs> God is hiding. So it, beca- so it became Adabakir and Nikolai. In other words, the shayrish of every avda the source of every one that unfortunately gets trapped into life, of the materialistic life, and does whatever they want. What's the shayrish? Before we said the chitonius and primius, here there was going a step further. Their shayrish is an evidivri. Their shayrish is a great place that only wants to be one with Hashem. But what happens? There's something which is called... Hashem put an Hashem alamata. Hashem brought an Hashem down here. Why? Why did Hashem bring an Hashem down here? So that he can be elevated. But even when a person's down here, he's still connected, what, to the Eved Ivri. Even as we go through struggle of life, we are still connected to Eved Ivri. Now, so there was this powerful line. Even as we struggle, right? We want to do what we want. Who, who, this Eved Kanani, we're beginning from Eved What's Eved Ivri? Think for a second. Who was the first person that's called an Ivri? Abraham, Avram Avinu, Avram Avinu. Why? Because Avram Avinu was from Abraham from the other side, from the other side of the Euphrates, right? He was ever the Ivri. Now, Abraham did he love God? Surely he loved God. Abraham loved God, was in awe of God, and this, the fact that Abraham loved him, was in awe of God. He gave that down as a inheritance to each and every one of us. So in our DNA, we have what? We have the love for Hashem that we got from the Ivri. We got from the Ivri, we got from Abraham. Now, this love for Hashem doesn't go away. Doesn't go away. So maybe in a revealed way, it looks like I want to do what I want. But in my essence, that I come from Abraham, no, I want to do what Hashem wants. Powerful. So Evid Knani that comes from every means that my revealed part Nebuch, I want to do what I want. But what's my Shoirish? Who do I come from Abraham? And within me, I love Hashem and I want to do what Hashem wants. 
what's the, what, so why, why, why do we have to have this whole struggle? And the Rebbe explains very simple, because the reason why the Neshama came down the Mata, and as it was an evidivery, came down to be an Evakani, so that we can study Torah. And when we study Torah, we'll realize that who are we really? You know, take out the Torah, Chumash, Mishnah, Talmud, learn Torah. Even though when you, you want to do whatever you want, but you sit down and learn Torah, you know what happens when you learn Torah? All of a sudden, the light bulb goes on. I am actually an Evadivri. Mina says, I come from Avram Avinu. Which we know that Avram Avinu, why was he, what's the one reason why he's called Evadivri? Because Avram was called Aver because the whole world was on one side. Abraham was on the other side. And he was willing to stand against the whole world. And we know world in Hebrew, so Eilam means world, but Eilam also means concealment. Abraham was willing to stand against the concealment of the animal soul, and he was able to transform the whole world. And um, the goal is to be and recognize that we're going to be willing to stand against everything, and then we'll grow spiritually from the avoid of an Evaknani to an Evadivri to an Evriya um, to a. To a um, that you know you, you marry off to, your, to, to, the, to the son and obviously the Alter in, in a long discourse explains every one of the levels of the slavery which is not for now I mean it's a whole long in depth each one of the levels the way, the way it works but the goal is to go from the Evi that you realize is, uh, uh, that you're really an Evi you really come from Avram the love comes out in a real way and then from there you grow in different levels of, of, the, of the spiritual until you get obviously we totally one with Hashem now so, so far, we've been talking abstract. Mean to say is, these ideas. But now, the Rebbe is going to show us in a real beautiful way, down to earth, the way this applies to each and every one of us, every single day in our life. And the Rebbe says like this. Every single day, we wake up, we would love to live in a bubble. <laughs> right? Not have to deal with worlds, with concealment, challenges. But Hashem made it, for whatever reason, that's why Hashem made it. You have to talk to Hashem about it. That He made it in a way that we have to go out into the world. Whether it's dealing with family, with friends, with neighbors, with work, whatever. We have to deal with the world. Commerce. We have to deal with the world. Now what happens when we go out to the world? The goal is to transform the world. That's the goal. The goal is we go out to the world to transform the world. Now. Why do we have to go out to, let me sit home and do nothing? Again, Hashem, Hashem wrote the script. Hashem made the plan. Because the Torah says, very simple, that you have to go out and you have to do your work. Now, whatever our work is, now what happens is, when you're going out into the world, so you're dealing with the world. So unfortunately, things stick to you. Things you heard, things you've seen, things you got involved with, it sticks to you. And then, even though you woke up and you're ready to just like have a great day and peaceful and happiness, but you go out into the world and all of a sudden you hear things, you see things, you get involved in stuff, and it's like, whoo, where did that come from? And you look at yourself and you say, I think I turned into an Evakanani. Some of the stuff rubbed off of me. It happens, it happens. Now, so, you, so what does everybody say? Relax. You're right. There was a descent. You got involved in the world. You would love to just been wrap yourself around your talis and your tefillin and your prayer books and not to deal with the world, right? You guys are laughing. You would love it. Well, everyone would love it. But Hashem wanted us to deal with the world. So the Rebbe says, guess what? It's a descent. We're not disagreeing. But the purpose of the descent 
is for the ascent that comes afterwards. And the descent is only temporary. But the ascent is going to be much greater. And that's going to be last, obviously, forever. Um, and, and here, the, the Rebbe explains in a real practical way. It means like this. That every descent is really only temporary. Temporary. Like the author gives an example, he says like this. Let's say, for example, you're praying. You're praying. Obviously, you're praying in a shul, I hope, because a minion, community, you're praying in a community. And some guy next to you is davening, he's being annoying, he's being too loud, too too slow, whatever. You know, people can annoy you. You're, you're Nefesh Bahamas, at least. Not you're Nefesh kiss. It annoys you. So you can say to yourself, whoa, this guy's bothering me. So what can you do? I mean, God, what you shouldn't do is, I'll tell you what you shouldn't do. Don't scream at the guy, right? But the author says, what should you do? The author says, guess what? It's a test. It's a test from Hashem. Hashem is testing you to see, do you have more, can you pull out some of that nefesh ruach nashon we spoke before, that you can overcome and ignore it? Not easy. Not easy. Not easy. In other words, let's say no one disturbed you. So you'd pray, you'd be like, you'd be like a neutral. When someone starts disturbing, guess what? In order to have kavana, do you have to work harder? Absolutely. What, you know, define what does it mean working harder. It means you have to have more kavana. Because the fact is, if you're in a deep meditation, if you're really connecting to Hashem in a deep meditation, are you going to hear stuff around you? If you're really connected with the oneness of Hashem, are you going to hear anything around you? There could be, a, there be a, a whole bookcase can fall next to you, you wouldn't hear it. Why? Because you're focused. The more focused, the less you're going to hear. So the author says, if you're hearing stuff, guess what? Time to refocus and focus deeper. Not only focus physically deeper, put your heart into it. If your heart's going to be more into it, you're not going to hear it as much. Not only that, a step further, Alter says, this person that's disturbing you, who's giving them the, the, the breath and the life force to, this, to say what they're saying? Obviously Hashem. So in other words, so since it's coming from Hashem, Hello, so what's your issue? And the author says, and he says like this, there's something which is called matamim. It means like this. You guys, I'm sure, eat, right? You guys eat food? You have drinks? I have. You have, right? Okay. When you eat food, there's something which is called bland, like a piece of bread or toast without any margarine, no salt, nothing on there, right? Or a vegetable with nothing, no oil, no, no, no ingredients on it, right? Bland food. What does it taste like? Blend exactly, but then you have when you put you know the right chef and the right temperature and the right spices and the right texture. Oh, whoa, delicious! So the thing, if you ate, for example, the bread by itself, it's blind. Salt by itself, who eats salt by themselves, right? The pepper, and then you margarine. Itself, but then when you make the right mix, it's delicious. So the author says very very simple. Hashem wants us to serve Him with matanim, with like a nice delicacy. How can you have a delicacy when you have a mix of meditation and focus? And the author says the first avoid is, which we know is the avoid of the bainani. The job of the bainani is not to transform. The job of the bainani, and I'll say it in Hebrew, is called the skafia. Practice restraint. Someone's irritating you, don't say a word. Someone's bothering you, get it out of your mind. Don't act on it. 
the avoida of the baini, that's the, the, so to speak, the, the main tool in the spiritual to, toolkit of the baini is what? Eskafia. That's the baini of Eskafia. And the more you practice Eskafia, woo, Hashem is happy. It's all about Eskafia. What's the avoida of the tzaddik? It's hapcha. You don't see anything. It's all great. It's all Hashem. There's, you don't even hear the disturbance. It's only Hashem. The avoida of the baini, he hears the disturbance. Saying a word, the tzaddik. What, what? What? I didn't hear anything, right? So the goal is the goal is to go from one level to the next. Meskafia and Hafka. When you have the blend between Hafka and Hafka, that's when you have what the matamin for the Hashem. Another is like this. So basically, what the Rebbe saying is that we go out to the world. Woo! What's the goal? And we should practice Meskafia. Which is generally the avoid of the bainini. We should practice this chafka, which is generally the avoid of the we can do both. And then we'll be able to climb the ladder, you know, from Evid Knani to Evid Ivri to Amayavriya, Levna Yedena, until the Yatsachinam and Kasef, then you totally what? Scot free. Now, so that is the avoid of what? Of the different levels of the slaves. But then we all know it says in the Pasuk, it says like this Sheish Shonim Yavit. When you hire a slave, Six years. Slave works for six years. Slave works. What happens in the seventh year? You go out free. Meaning to say is, this whole avoid of Iskafia and Ishabcha is only for six years. So on a physical level, it's six years. We're talking spiritually. It only applies to the first 6,000 years of Golos. Iskafia and Ishabcha is only the 6,000, and that's why we're almost finished. 5,780. We would love to have a reduction. We don't have to go to that to six thousand. But the point, right? No, because we're getting very close. We're almost there, and you know, every every sentence gets you know commuted. This week they commuted sentences, so our sentence could also be commuted. It will be commuted by Hashem. I'll back some off. I mean, ten percent. We're ready. We should we be out already? But the point is that the first six years we have the avoid of Eskafia and Eshabcha. But then in the seven seven thousand year, which again we're already almost there. We call it like Er Shabbat. We're almost there. Then you have the avoid of Mashiach comes. It's going to be Yoyim Shakulay Shabbos. It's going to be completely Shabbat. It's going to be completely the seventh year. Umenucha. It's going to be relaxing. Forever, forever, forever. Now, which is interesting is that um, what's going to happen in the seventh in the seventh year when we go out free? What does it mean when we go out free? It's not going to be a skafi and Why not? Because since Hashem is going to be totally revealed, everything you're going to see is Hashem. There's not going to be a need for a skafi. There's not a need for a skafi. You're going to have total revelation of Hashem. And the Rebbe says, this is going to happen when Mashiach comes. But you ready for this? You ready for this? We're looking forward to it, right? It's going to be amazing. But guess what? Every single Shabbat, we get to taste a glimmer of it. Every Shabbat. Hold on tight. When on Shabbat. So first of all, the whole Shabbos. Shabbos comes, we get a glimmer of what's going to be like Mashiach comes. But the peak, you know when the peak is? Not when you're looking in the watch. Shabbos over yet? Yes, then. It's called Riven the Riven. After Mincha, by Mincha time, from Mincha till Shabbat is over, that is the time when you get the biggest glimmer of what it's going to be like Mashiach comes. And that's why it's unfortunate. The Yetzirah works so, like, like genius. Everyone's excited when Shabbos starts. You should be. Shabbos is starting. Whoa, we're getting a taste of Mashiach's going to be like. Shabbos morning, oh my gosh, already half a day into it and we had a beautiful Friday night. And then already, what time is Shabbos over? Hello, you just blew it. 
He should be climbing the ladder, Riven the Riven. It's the highest part of Shabbos. Mincha, we have Baruch Shem each year, every Shabbos over here in, in Halacha, because, you know, Halacha is very, very important if we want to get ready our seats for Mashiach comes. So Riven the Riven, we get a taste, the highest level, of what it's going to be like Mashiach comes. And um, so, and we have this every single, as you can tell, every single day and every single week. And the Rebbe brings out, that's interesting, and not, you know, Parshas Shabbat, but in the next Torah portion, in, in Parshas uh, Truma, so it speaks about the gifts of the uh, Mishkan. And, um, and it says over there, Veshachanti B'Saycham, Hashem says clearly, that in the Mishkan, I'm going to dwell in the Mishkan. Now, in the Mishkan, Hashem dwells the whole Mishkan. But where specifically does Hashem dwell the most in the Mishkan? Where? In the Ark. As we see, it's the first commandment to making the vessel of the Mishkan, to make the Ark. Why? Because Hashem is going to be the greatest revealed there. Why? Because since the essence and the purpose of the Shachanti B'Saycham, Hashem should be revealed, so where is Hashem greatest revealed? In the Ark, in the Torah, which is basically the same idea that we spoke about in the, begin- in the beginning of the discourse. What's this Torah portion says? These are the laws. What's the f- and we have to learn Torah. What is the first law we learn about? The Eved Ivri. Why? Because what's an Eved Ivri? An Eved Ivri is someone that his essence is that he's focused on one thing. He wants to serve Hashem. So just like in Parshas Truma, it's about Veshachanti B'Soycham, we're into the Ark. The same thing also, Ve'elam Shvatim talks of Ekisikna Eved Ivri, because an Eved Ivri means, not an Eved Knani, which we said struggles and his essence is a Bainini. An Eved Ivri is somebody that he wants to totally be serving Hashem. As the expression in the Talmud is, Ani Nevresi Lashamish is Koini. The Evidently says, I was created for one purpose only, to serve Hashem. Now, Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim, we know. He acquired us. And He gave us the mandate by expressing, saying that Hashem told us that He wants to make a dear Betachtoinim. He wants to dwell down here. And how do we do that? By Veshachanti Veshachon. And every one of us has the power to make Hashem revealed. Hashem obviously started to be revealed where? In the greatest way. In the Mishkan, afterwards in the base of Mikdash, and then eventually in the whole world, Hashem is going to be revealed. And when will that be complete? Obviously, as we know, in, as we mentioned before, in the El of Ashri, in the seventh, you know, 7,000th year, which is very, very close. Now, the fact is, as we said before, when does it, where does it get drawn down the most? Into the Ark. In the Ark. What does the Ark represent? Torah. So when we learn Torah today, we have the power to bring light, the greatest light in our life. And once we lighten up our life through Torah from there, the light goes out to the whole world. As we all know, in the Mishkan, for example, the, the windows were, they were small inside and they, narrow, they, they widened on the outside. Because the purpose was to bring out the, the light to the whole world. And what will happen eventually is, we all know that light will start from Jerusalem. Jerusalem will spread all over Israel. And the light of Israel will spread where? All over the world. Now, and here's a very, very important idea that he says like this. Mitzvah we're all going to have the redemption. The redemption is based on our 6,000 years of the world in existence and our spiritual work. But here comes the caveat. The greatest effort to bring Mashiach and the revelation of Mashiach comes is specifically the avoida of, I'll say it in Hebrew, I'll translate, ikvis of the Mashiach. 
when we're living in the times, it's called the heels of Mashiach, because specifically through our work now, we will merit the greatest revelation of Mashiach comes. Greater than the two temples, greater than the Mishkan. So you can ask, what do you mean, Moshe Rabbeinu built the Mishkan? And we know the Mishkan on a spiritual level is everlasting. And the answer is because that's true, it was a great light. But we have the avoid, we do the greatest work in the dark. We're lighting up the darkness. And not only that, we're lighting the darkness, we're actually doing the avoid of tshuva. Our generation has never been, there's never been a mass tshuva movement. There never had to be. The light was on. There's no one had to return. Everyone was so close. But unfortunately today, there's a lot of darkness. But there's never been such a mass tshuva movement. And, every, and the Rebbe brings down, he says, that Mashiach's name is associated with tshuva. And as we know, it says, Mashiach asala sava tzadik yifta. Not only is everyone doing tshuva, Mashiach's job is going to be, since about tshuva goes higher than the tzadik. So Mashiach's job is going to be that a tzadik should do tshuva. Because a tzaddik also needs to do tshuva to be able to go to the highest level. And because then we'll witness, we all know the famous word in the, the verse in the prophet that says, Mala aretz. Aretz, earth. Lamata, things which is God's concealed. Umara aretz, day Hashem. The whole world will see Hashem. Kamayim al-yamachasim, just like the water covers over everyone will get to recognize, obviously, Hashem is Hashem. Now, through when we do our spiritual avoda of recognizing Hashem, doing what Hashem hard, wants, we actually hasten Mashiach's coming. And not only that, the Rebbe says, that the whole world is going to recognize Hashem. Which, wouldn't that be awesome? And the whole world will be in awe of Hashem. And as the Rebbe quotes a verse that says, Uz, when Mashiach comes, Ephraim, I'm going to turn around, transform, allow them, all the nations, suffer Brura, and they will all recognize Hashem, and then we'll have the complete redemption with what? The rights of Mashiach. So obviously, as you can tell, it's a very, very powerful, very, very deep but practical lesson into the Parshat Mishpatim, the laws of Ebed Ivri, Ebed Kanani, how it applies to us in our life. And I think it's a really, really, very, very powerful message, many messages, but I think the main message that we can really learn something very, very practical is that really people are good. Everyone is great. Every one of us. We have to look at ourselves that way. And the fact is, we all have things that we unfortunately aren't necessarily perfect. We can do tshuva. Once you do sincerely tshuva, it's as if you never sinned. And then once, obviously, you get past that level, as Dreva says, the goal is to, to practice iskafia, practice restraint, practice hapcha, but ultimately it's really about getting close to Hashem. But really what Dreva is saying is that ultimately everything that we do now Specifically, in our gullus, in the darkness, brings the greatest light. And we're going to have the greatest light when Mashiach comes. And just to finish off, in a beautiful light, Yerba says, we, even though we're going to wait for the big light, but we can taste it. And we can get a glimmer of it every Shabbat. And especially in Raivan the Raivan. So let's hope and pray that um, we all get to merit. We're already seeing it. But in a real way, the true revelation, and we'll all be blessed with the presence of Mashiach. Now. Thank you very much.